0: Morning, you've been with us, you know we've been in a series now going on. I think it's about nine weeks that we've been in this series, and we've just uh, been calling it uh, "Following Jesus." And for, for this will be, I think, the, the ninth week and the last week, as we're we're finishing it up this week. And what we've been saying each week is, is we we've, we've been looking at where Jesus goes. And who he talks to and what that looks like and the, the teaching that's coming out of that and who he's spending time with. And each week we've been looking at those different things and then we've been saying following Jesus means and we look at different aspects of what it means to be following Christ. And last week we, we started uh, really to look at this idea of the Great Commission, what Chris just read for us. That's going to be our text this morning. If you want to follow along, it'll be Matthew chapter 28 and we'll really be looking at verses 18 through twenty. This morning, But when we started last week, what I said is we we looked at the different places where that passage, uh, the the parallel passages, because Jesus says this a couple different places. We looked at those different ones and we kind of stopped and almost took an aside last week because as Jesus gives the Great Commission and as we looked last week and we looked in in Luke's gospel and then we look at the beginning of Acts, he tells them that you're going to go make disciples of all nations. He says, but wait. And there's one caveat he gives. He says, wait until you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait until you've been filled with power from on high. And so last week what we did is we just stopped and and we thought about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit and how he is the one that's going to lead and guide any fruitful labor in this area of making disciples of Jesus. It's going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to affirm that and say that. This week, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because we spent all of last week on it, but I want to make sure that we're reaffirming how important that is in all that we do. So much so that like we always do, I want us just to stop and pray before we even look at this text together this morning. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll look at this passage together. Lord, we do uh, just humbly confess, come before you this morning, that without your leading, without the Spirit leading us in this place, Without you teaching us and guiding us and applying this to our hearts, we are hopelessly lost. And so we just pray this morning that as we open your word and we contemplate these things and the commands you've given us, and as we seek to follow you more fully, we pray that your spirit would come and move in this place, that you would guide us and lead us and teach us, that you would encourage us, that you would convict us where we need convicting. And through all that, you would point us more fully to Jesus. That we would see the ways that you love us and the ways that you've forgiven us. And we just pray that we would leave here today seeing so clearly and so fully who you are and what you've done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so as we look at this today, uh, you know, like I said, we, we talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit last week and his role in this discipleship. This morning we're going to talk about just uh, some some practical ways what this means to be disciples and discipleship and what that looks like. As I often say in our uh, bulletin. If it helps you, there's, there's three points in there. Uh, some people, that helps to guide them and, and think through and follow along. And so that's there. If it helps you, I think it's on page nine. And, the, and these are the three uh, questions. I often do it in the, the form of questions that are there. And th- these are the three this morning. First of all, what does it mean to make disciples? What do we mean when we talk about that? What does it mean to make disciples? Secondly, how do we do it? And then lastly, where is our confidence in doing it? Where is our confidence? So What do we mean by making disciples? How do we do it? Where is our confidence? And so we're going to start just right here at the the beginning of of what does it mean to make disciples. And we say a lot in this church. We talk a lot. I say this rather simply. uh, We're seeking to make disciples of Jesus. We're seeking to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus. And that's what we want to do and be about as a church. And so we talk about discipleship a lot. And when we throw words around like that, sometimes we can kind of get off on exactly what that means and we define it in different ways at different times. I've heard different people say it. i heard a guy talking the other day, and I liked what he was saying. I liked what was behind it. He said a lot of times, saying that instead of saying disciple, we'll say learner. And yes, that is definitely part of it. That is part of what we mean when we mean discipleship. And we'll see that. We see it even in Jesus' words that we're going to look at in just a moment. But I really want us to think about what the context was of Jesus walking with the disciples and what that looked like. We've been looking at all these snapshots of him doing that. And I just want us to make sure we get the, the definition of really what we're talking about when we talk about discipleship first before we jump into all these things. But what we mean and what we see is that Jesus is, is living with these guys and walking with them and teaching them and showing them. And they're, they're observing what he's doing and they're spending time together. But what they would do as disciples of their rabbi, their teacher, is they were seeking to come to complete obedience. You know, that's a foreign idea to us a lot of times in our culture. We look at different teachers or different people we follow or different things we look at and we go, yeah, they've got some good things and some good advice and I'll sort through and decide what I'll take and what I won't and how I'll use it. That's foreign to this idea of Jesus walking with the disciples. They were with him and he's teaching them and he's showing them and the idea is that they would become completely obedient to their teacher. And so when we talk about making disciples and discipleship, I just want to make sure that we have that in our mind from the get-go. To follow Jesus and to become a disciple of Jesus is we're seeking to be completely obedient to Him in all ways. He even says that right here in the Great Commission. Go teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Or teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so we want to make sure that we see that from the beginning when we talk about discipleship. It means complete obedience. Complete allegiance to Jesus. And so I want us to look at that with that in mind, and, and what do we mean by making disciples? I think there's ways that we can get off on this, or, or there's ways that we can accentuate different parts of it. And a lot of times they're true, but we, we skew to one side or the other. We do that a lot. Uh, just with Scripture, we all do that. We pick the parts we like, and we go, yes, that's good. I had a professor who used to say, you've probably heard me say this before, we want to land in the center of the biblical tension. Want to be right in the middle of what it calls us to. And so as we think about discipleship, I want you to think about this picture of Jesus giving this great commission. And it tells us in verse 16, the eleven disciples went to the Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And so Jesus is there with his followers and it tells us about the disciples being there. There's some debate on who else might have been there. Most likely it was more than just the eleven. It probably was more than that. Uh, part of the reason I would say that is when you get to Acts chapter one. So God, Jesus tells them, wait till you're clothed on high, and then we get to Acts chapter 1. And that's part of the Bible chronologically just a few days later. And it says there's 120 in the upper room waiting, waiting on the Holy Spirit doing what Jesus told them. And so we don't know exactly how many, but it's a safe bet to say there's probably some overlap between that 120 and who is here. And, and the point I'm making and the point I want you to get to of who Jesus is talking to, Jesus here is talking to believers. He's talking to the church, really, the ones that have seen the risen Christ that are seeking to follow him. And they they, he's given directions on where to meet him and they go and they show up. And the first thing he tells them, look at what he says there. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about who he's talking to and what he just told them. And the first thing when we ask, what do we mean about discipleship or making disciples? The first thing I want you to see is that Jesus is talking to believers, telling them to go to unbelievers to preach the gospel. Oftentimes, and maybe not you, me, growing up in the church, I always heard discipleship, discipling, becoming obedient to Jesus. And I thought of Christians who are already Christians seeking to become more Christian. That's the way I always thought of it. Maybe you didn't, but that's the way I did. That's what I thought discipleship was. A Christian trying to become more and more following Jesus. But when you read here the first thing he says to the people that are believers, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so the first thing he tells them is you're going to go make disciples and then you're going to baptize them. I want you to think for a second what baptism means. It's not a sermon on baptism, but it's here. So we're going to talk about it for just a second. Think about what it means. Baptism is really the entrance into the church. right? Baptism is an outward sign of what's inwardly happened in my life. I want to make a profession that I'm now following Jesus. So if Jesus says to believers, go make disciples and then baptizing them, the connotation here is he's sending them out to people who are not believers. Go spread the gospel and tell them. And then when the Spirit convicts them and they see who I am, you baptize them. Which, by the way, just again as an aside, if you're a Christian and you want to be obedient to Christ and you're following him, whether you've become a Christian 20, 30, 50 years ago or last week, or God's working on your heart right now, to be obedient to Jesus means to be baptized. Now I want to be careful how I say that. Baptism is not a matter of salvation. Right? You don't get saved by being baptized. Being baptized is an outward sign of what God's already done in your heart. Baptism is standing up and saying, I want to be counted with Jesus. There's a beautiful picture in Romans 6 about dying to sin and being raised in newness of life and walking in a new way following Christ. That's what baptism is. And so just as an aside, this morning as I say that, if you haven't been baptized and you consider yourself a Christian, be baptized. I would love nothing more than to have people come forward and say, I've never been baptized and I want to follow him. Or maybe today God's working on your heart and he's starting to show you and he's working on you. It's an invitation. As you see your need and you see the grace that God extends through Christ and what he's done for you and that he saved you by no doing of your own, the next step is then to go be baptized. I am now dead to the way I was before. I am now walking in the grace of Jesus and I want to walk that out and follow him. And so I'm just going to say that. If you fall into that category, come talk to me or Chris or one of your elders. We'll do it next week. We'll set up the stuff so you can be baptized next week if that's you. We would love nothing more than to celebrate that with you. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's that's part of just being obedient to Him. It's a beautiful picture of saying, I want to be counted with Jesus. But Back to what we're talking about with discipleship here. The first thing I want you to see is it's Jesus... Addressing believers to go to unbelievers to proclaim the gospel, that they'd then be baptized, that they would then follow Jesus. And so the first thing discipleship is, is going to unbelievers. People do do not yet know Jesus. And seeking to bring them to obedience, seeking to bring them to faith in Christ. Grace alone, by faith alone, and what Jesus has done for them. That's the first part. But then look at what else he says there. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. When we talk about discipleship, and we talk about it in the local church and how we're going to do it here, sometimes we can forget that discipleship is universal. Jesus' command, the Great Commission, is go to all nations and make disciples. Go throughout the world and proclaim the name of Jesus to all people everywhere. God's uh, wonderful, glorious truth of what he's done for us in Jesus is for all people of all nations. And we are to be going to all nations and all people. God saves everyone the same way. Everyone's need is the same no matter what they look like or where they came from. And so we are to go and make disciples of all nations. And what what can happen a lot of times is we hear that and we go, yes, that's great. I'm with that. We support missionaries in the church. We agree with that. We confirm that. We say, yes, that's good. And then we go, kind of just leave that, push that to the back of our minds. But I just want to ask you this morning... A simple question. If you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, you are seeking to be obedient to him. He calls us to go to all nations to make disciples. Have you ever asked, have you ever prayed to God, would he maybe be sending you to another nation? If we're really seeking to be obedient and following him, have you ever asked him? Have you ever gone to him in prayer and sought his face and said, would you maybe be sending me to another nation? Because if we are being obedient, then that means some are going to go. Now, what happens is a lot of times we we'll go back to what I was saying. We'll, we'll say, "Well, we, we support missionaries. I'm for missions. That's great. I'm good. I'm giving money to that. I'm praying for those. But I don't really need to go. I, I just want to remind you. I, I've read these statistics before, and every time I, I reread them, the weight that it falls on me when I think about this. I, I read this week. There's over seven billion people in the world. They say that depending on which uh, statistics you look at, the way they define it, there's 16,000 people groups in the world. That is different cultures, languages, different the way they define people groups. Of those 16,000, 7,000 of those people groups have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. 7,000 different groups of people. And when you look at how many people that is, when you look at those groups and you add them up, it's two. Billion with a B billion people don't know who Jesus is. And so when I ask the question, have you ever prayed what God might send you to one of those places? There are two billion people that have never heard. We don't have too many missionaries. We don't have too many people going that we have an overabundance that we can all just sit back and go. "Oh, It's okay. It's taken care of. And so I just ask you this morning to pray that if God would put that on your heart, maybe a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now or whatever it may be, maybe he's sending you. Maybe today he's planting the seed that he would send you to one of those nations because the the great commission is go make disciples of all nations. And so I just ask you to pray about that. Maybe where you are right now in your life, it's not for you to go. And it very well may not be. And that's not to put a guilt trip on you. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just asking you, would you seek the Lord on what it is? And if it's not for you to go right now, I just to ask the next question I would say to you. Uh, would you pray that God would show you who he is sending you to? Whether it be your neighbors or your coworkers or your family or whoever that may be. Because the simple fact is, if you are seeking to follow Jesus, then you are sent you are sent to make disciples, whether that's locally with your neighbor or it's across the globe to people who have never heard. You're sent. And so I just ask that you'd be praying what that might look like. Right? And so the first part of making disciples is make going to those that don't know, whether friends and family or neighbors are going across the globe, but it's going. It's going to make disciples of people that don't yet know. But there's a third part here, too, and it's what we I think. What we often think of when we think of discipleship, because Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. But then verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Right, And so you seek to go and spread the gospel, tell who Jesus is to those that have never heard. But then you seek to make them uh, help them grow in obedience to Jesus in all things. That's what it means to be a disciple. And so, part of discipleship happens in the local church. Part of the discipleship happens between believers, uh, more mature believers and younger believers, and walking together and doing that. And that is absolutely part of it. But what we want us, to, what I want us to see is that we see the balance. It's both. It's going to those that don't know, but it's also helping those that do know grow in that. And so, when we think about what it means to make disciples, that's what we're looking at. That's what Jesus says. Right here, it's sent to unbelievers, but it's also helping believers grow into a fuller uh, obedience, a fuller following of Christ. And so that takes me to my second question. What does that look like? How do we begin to do that? Practically, what steps do we begin to take to make disciples? Now, I'm going to say this again, even though we did it last week. Make sure I say this first and foremost. It is always, always, always going to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. Always. Always. It's always going to be the leading and guiding of the Spirit and teaching us and convicting us and showing us and working. And so when we talk about how do we do it, it's going to be on our faces before God, seeking who He would help, who He would send us to, how that would work, how we would interact, what that would look like, always in His leading, always. And I say that very quickly because we spent all of last week on that very thing, but I want to make sure I say that again. But practically, what steps do we take to begin to make disciples of Jesus? You know, I was listening to a speaker that I like a lot recently. I was listening to it in the car from a a talk he'd given in Canada. And he was talking about, uh, he, he likes to ask the question, who are you sent to? Who has God sent you to? What is your mission field? Where does God have you? What would that look like? And he asked that question. And then he paused. This guy's from Australia and he was talking to a Canadian audience. He said, who are you sent to? And then he said, no, when I say that, he said, I'm speaking to a North American audience, Canadians. He said, this is especially true to Americans. When I say, who are you sent to? He said, you're so culturally conditioned that you immediately think, who am I sent to on my own? Who is God sending me to to go to? Right. That it's me. And what am I going to do? And how am I going to do this? And what will this look like for me? And, and he brings that out and he, and he asks that question. And what he says is that because of our society, he wasn't putting down America, he was just make it stating a fact about Western culture. We are so conditioned that when that question is asked, we immediately think of me and me alone. We are the most individualistic society in the history of the world. And so when we hear a question like that, we can't even think of it another way most of the time. The same is true for verse 20. Look at what Jesus says, teaching them, you go make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? God is with you. He is with me, me and God, right? That is true. I want to affirm that. When you put your faith in Christ, you are made righteous with God through what Christ has done for you. You are seated with him in the heavenlies. You get the Holy Spirit in you and he never leaves you and he never forsakes you and he's with you. He is with you. And you leave here today and he's still with you. You didn't have to come to this place to meet God. But when you read the context of what Jesus says here and who he's talking to, he's talking to the disciples about going to make disciples. And he says, I want you to go and make disciples. He says, I want you, plural, you all to go make disciples. And I am with you all, plural, to the end of the age. We read it. It's just me and God. What Jesus said was, I am sending you out together to make disciples. And I am with you together in making disciples. Now that doesn't lessen the fact that he's with you all the time. But you see the context here. We like to take that verse and pull it out of context and make it all about me and God. And that's not what he's calling us to. We we just watched, if you were in uh, Sunday school this morning, Got the Holy Spirit moving. Chris was working on that. I'm working on this sermon. We kind of talked a little bit about what they are. They go perfectly together. Right? Like we said last week, let's name the things where the Holy Spirit are moving. That's the Holy Spirit. He's bringing those things together and showing us. And the picture that we see, and as we were talking about this morning and what we see, is, is what happens is we want to make it about just me and God. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going out. I'm doing this. Right? And I was looking up statistics this week. Was reading things about the way that we see the local body of Christ together. And it was horrifying. It made me sad as I read it. And what it said was the first stat I read said 80% of Christians, evangelical Protestant Christians that believe the Bible, 80% believe that they don't need any uh, help from their local body to grow into a mature believer. It's just me and God. I don't need help from anybody else. And I read that and thought, is that right? Can that be true? 80%. All the things that Scripture says over and over, and 80% go, I don't need anybody else. It's just me and God. Or then I read uh, Evangelical Protestant Christian group. 50%, 50% half are involved in a local body uh, less than two times each month whether in worship service, Bible study, whatever else, less than two times a month. 30% are involved less than three times a year. And I read those stats and I started thinking about that picture. And here's those stats on one side. And then I have ringing in my head, Jesus saying, this is my commandment that you love one another the ways that I've loved you. Or Jesus saying, they will know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. How does that work? If 80% of Christians believe, I don't need anyone else. And then Jesus is over here saying, "Uh, they're going to know you by the way that you love one another. Those don't go together. They don't work when we start to look at that. You You look at the picture. Even what he says here, lo, I am with you all. the end of the age. Jesus is pointing us to this community of going out together and loving one another and doing it that way so that people see it. Discipleship looks like this. It looks like the body of Christ working together. That's the video we watched this morning. It's a community project as we begin to help one another in growing. It's not come Uh, For an hour once a month and say hi to people and eat lunch with them and then I'll see you next month. The Bible doesn't know anything like that. It's so foreign to everything that scripture teaches. Right. We, We went through first Corinthians earlier in the year and you may remember this first Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts and the way God has gifted every single believer with different gifts. And then Paul says, and he's done that. He's given you those gifts for the common good. Do you remember when we talked about that? Maybe you were here for that. And what what we were saying and what we saw in that is God gifts you so that you can build up other people. It's not about just you and God. It's about you and the body together. right? Paul uses all those analogies. The arm can't say to the eye, I don't need you And the eye. Right? All those pictures. We need one another, and that's the picture all the way through. Or listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 5. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. He calls us to do this together. That's what we see all the way through Scripture Hebrews chapter 10, do not neglect to meet together as the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, or what we looked at in Hebrews chapter 3 this morning, exhort one another daily. Over and over and over in Scripture. Go make disciples and go do this together. And you see that over and over. And the sad Truth is for so much, so many of us, we get so busy and we have so much going on and so many things and so many cares of this world that gets pushed off to the side. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to be with the body. And scripture tells us over and over that we are to be with the body. I'm going to quote what Paul Tripp said this morning. Again, God bringing those things together so perfectly. I wrote down exactly what he said this morning. We are called to be, to, called to humbly and willingly live an intentionally intrusive, Christ-centered, grace-driven, redemptive community. The Jesus and me religion of Western culture is a delusion. It does not exist in the New Testament. That's pretty hard to hear. I'm convicted when I hear that. How many times I can go, oh, I'm good. I had my quiet time. I did this. Uh. It's easy to fall into that. But what Scripture calls us to is something very different. Following Jesus into mission, following into making disciples, whether believers or unbelievers, is a community project together. Right? A lot of times we think of it as it's community in Christians helping other Christians. But when it comes to going to people, you're on your own. But it's not that either right because he says they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. If you're going alone all the time, how do they know how you love other believers? They don't. They can't. And so the picture is whether it's going to unbelievers or it's going to believers or how it's doing it together. It's as a community loving one another. And so I can say that to you and we can we can put the statistics there and maybe you fall into some of those or maybe you get convicted when you hear some of that. I don't know where you are or or where that that falls on you. That's not my uh, intention at all. It's not to make you feel guilty. It's not to beat you up with it. But what it is, is is what I see so clearly in Scripture. I wouldn't be loving if I didn't call you to what Jesus says. If we really believe the God of the universe made all things and he knows how it fits together and he knows how things work together and he says it works like this and we didn't say that, that wouldn't be loving. And so instead of you feeling beat up or oh I don't do that well or I'm not doing I just I want to offer concrete, helpful how we can do that together. We have been praying a lot and talking a lot about community in our body. How do we do this? How do we do this better? How do we love each other? How do we go on mission together? How do we make disciples together? How do we go to the loss together? How do we do those things? And we don't have all the answers, but we've been talking about concrete, practical ways, steps we can make towards that. And so starting in January, just a couple months from now, you know, right now we have four, we actually have five uh small groups meeting right now. I I count the guys on the house on the hill. There's six guys living there that are seeking to take the gospel to their friends and their neighbors. And so they're part of this body as well. And so there's five in January. We want there to be 10. We want to double how many there are. And the reason we want to double how many they are. And the reason we want to do that is so more people can be involved and they can be closer to where you live you can get easily, more easily involved with it because you don't have to go as far. So you can go on mission together because you're living right there together. We want to be able to do these things together. And so part of how we're going to do that is we're going to have uh, more. It's not going to be just a few and just on certain days. We're going to try to have them on more days. And we want to see everyone involved in those. If we're taking seriously wanting to be obedient to Jesus and follow him in making disciples, we want to do this together. And we want to see it more and more clearly together. We want to live it out in these ways. And so what we're going to do, you know, we've been we talk about small groups or community groups or whatever you're accustomed to, depending on where you grew up or where you went to church or what that looks like, you may call those different things. Starting in January, actually I think we've already started saying this, but starting in January, we're going to call them missional community groups. And the reason we're going to call them missional community groups and then go, what does that matter? It, It matters because of this. When we talk about discipleship and we talk about community and what we're trying to do, we are going to people that are not yet believers and we are encouraging people that are already believers. And so there has to be the missional part and there has to be the community part and it has to be both. Because if it's not, we're not doing what he's called us to. It's as simple as that. And so we want to do both together. Uh, another way to say it, we've been saying this a lot. We, we had dinners recently where we said we want to grow and go. right? We want to be growing in the grace of Jesus and understanding who we are in Christ together and helping each other to do that. But we want to be going. Missional community. Community growing together but also going. We want to do both. And we want to see both of those in balance. Another way you can say it is, is up. Our relationship to God in our relationship to each other and out our relationship to our world. Yet maybe another way to say that is we want to preach the gospel to ourselves in the world by word, deed and community. If you've never heard that before, that's the mission statement of this church. We want to preach the gospel to ourselves till it is overflowing that we go out and we preach it to everyone and we do it by word, proclamation, deed, the way we live. And community, the way we love one another. And we can't do that alone. Nor should we because that's not what we're called to. And so as we think about that, I want just lastly to encourage you with what is our confidence in doing that. Right? I don't want to undertake anything that I know is going to fail. I don't know if that strikes you at all. It does to me. Like I'm not going to sign up to run a marathon tomorrow. That would be a miserable failure, about four miles in, maybe three, I'm not sure. It would be bad. And so you want to undertake things that you know are going to succeed, that you know that God's working in. And so I just want you to look at what Jesus says here. Look at the first thing Jesus says. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. When you read in Matthew's Gospel, what you see, is Matthew shows you something that happened, gives you the, the story of what happened. You just see this happen. And then he uses Jesus' words to interpret what just happened. does that over and over. It's so the literary device, they say. I mean, I'm not smart enough to know that. Somebody had to tell me that. But then when you start looking for it, you see it. And so there's what happened and then how Jesus interprets it. If you look up just a little bit here in Matthew chapter 28 to what Jesus is interpreting because of what just happened. Verse five, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here for he is risen. Come see the place where they laid him and then quickly Go and tell his disciples that he has risen and is not dead. Right? The interpretation of all authority has been given to me is the resurrection. When we talk about undertaking, making disciples, and going out and proclaiming who Christ is to our world, guess what? He's already won. He's already won. We have nothing to worry about. We just get to go and proclaim what has already taken place. Look at the last thing He says. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. How can He say that? How can Jesus say? Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. It hasn't happened yet. It's because He's already there. He sees all of it. He's already at the end of the age. He can say all authority and all power has been given to go make disciples because He's already one and He sees all of it and He's already there. And so when we consider doing this, consider getting involved and making disciples and going on mission together and seeking to do this more fully, to follow Jesus, to be more and more obedient to him, to throw ourselves into all with all that we have into following him and doing this. He's already won and it's the greatest joy and the greatest news there ever is. There's nothing better that you can give your life to in this earthly life than to follow after Him and to make disciples. Following Jesus means making disciples. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. We thank You for the glorious truth of Your Gospel. We thank You for what You've called us to. I thank You that You've placed each one here. That you brought us together as a body of believers knowing that we desperately need one another. That we desperately need you. We desperately need your grace each and every day. We need to be reminded by one another. I pray that you would do a work in this place. That your spirit would move mightily uh, even today. That you would point us so clearly to our need for you. But you would also just energize us, excite us, work within us about being on mission for the glory of your name. Pray that we would give our lives to that, that to one another we would seek to encourage one another for the sake of your glory. We pray that you'd be well pleased. We pray that you would lead us and you would guide us, that we'd do it in the ways that you've called us to. We'd be ever mindful of your Spirit's leading and follow you wherever that may be. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.